How do you help de-risk mom and dad's assets so they don't outlive their money? And you don't have to be responsible for that extra $10,000 a month. Stay tuned. You might be surprised. Welcome to Doing It Best with Elder Care Success, where we explore ways to relieve the stress, exhaustion, and overwhelm that we all face in caring for an aging parent, frail spouse, or partner. Fear, frustration, emotional and financial strain does not have to be your MO. Stay tuned as we dive into different and new ways of finding more joy together with those that we love and care for and while keeping our feet solid on the ground. Hang tight, there is a better road ahead. Hello everybody, it's Nancy May from Doing It Best with Elder Care Success. And before we start, there are a couple of things that are going on that I want to share with you with the show. The first is you can reach out to me at any point in time, get on a list so there's an update of what's going on, future shows, how we're doing them, when there's a release, or other details and information that are going to be critical to the days and the years, hopefully, that you're taking care of mom and dad and yourself as a caregiver as well. There you can get to me at eldercaresuccess.live backslash contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T. You can also leave me a voicemail message on the page, which is eldercaresuccess.live. On the right-hand side, there's a little blue bar. You press on that or click on that, and you can leave me a voicemail message on questions, ideas, or even comments that you'd like to share. I'm always interested in hearing from you, our listeners, and from those that you are maybe caring for who might listen in as well, too. We also started a YouTube channel called Elder Care Success on YouTube. What else? Come on. <laughs> we all want a success. We don't want a failure. So join me there. And with that, my guest here today is Jason Nightingale. He's an extraordinary banker educator and the CEO and founder of Safe Money Solutions. He has worked with 3,500 clients in 30, not 36, but 46 states in three countries around the world and is focused on helping us find ways to better preserve our assets or our parents' assets, which is even more critical because you want to make sure that mom and dad don't outlive their assets so that you have to pick them up. And if you do, you want to make sure you've got enough to live well yourself and a whole slew of very creative strategies to, to just get that under wraps at various stages of our life and our parents' life. So with that, Jason, welcome. And I'm glad to have you here as a guest on the show. I think what you do is fascinating and it's really creative because I haven't heard about some of the solutions and ideas that you have from others. So let's dive into what you call the three stages of life that we really need to look at first, which is the go-go, the slow-go, and the no-go years, correct? Correct. So these are the different phases of really when you need to start thinking and planning about yourself. But if your parents haven't done that, you know, the go-go being when you're really like rolling, your income's coming in, you're doing well the slow go where you sort of slow down and think about retirement and the no go where you just wonder where the TV clicker is and the toilet is, right? <laughs> That's yeah, kind I mean, of it. I can basically cover that that concept in five minutes just to kind of open up that conversation if you'd like. Yeah. Why don't you do that? Okay. Well, normally with seniors, I've got a whiteboard and we're sharing screen, but just imagine I'm drawing on a napkin. So let's just take the first 10 years of retirement. And let's use the ages of 65 to 75. Now, that's going to vary 
for different seniors. But let's call those first 10 years of retirement your go-go years. You just retired from the job. You want to go to all the ball games. You want to see all the grandkids. You want to travel and see the world. You want to do whatever. But those years, you're still in fairly good health usually. And that's all about having a good income. And I'm going to stop you right there a second, because it's interesting to note that a large percentage of people who are in those go-go years and retiring or starting to retire are also now taking care of aging parents. So now that go-go may be going in two different directions. It's taking care of mom and dad and, and then having some fun yourself. Oftentimes, seniors don't realize that the retirement picture is going to change. That's not going to be forever because the next 10 years, and we have to make these ages and years general because it's different for everybody. But now let's look at ages 75 to 85. We call that the slow-go years. That's where you still want and possibly do all of the stuff that you did in the first 10 years. You just now don't feel like it every morning. You're sitting in that recliner after you get up and have that cup of coffee. You realize you didn't get enough go-go out of that coffee and you don't feel as good. These are years now where you're starting to slow down and you really need to think, okay, what were to happen with if the risk you need to take off the table now is what were to happen if I get sick? Because if I get sick, that's going to start eating up that income, what we used in those go-go years. And the last or final stage of retirement, we call those the no-go years. Let's say age 85 to 95. Now those ages, once again, may be different, but this is the phase of retirement where you've stopped using the upstairs, you've stopped using the downstairs, you make a trail to the refrigerator in the sink, you use in the toilet and your bedroom, and that's pretty much it. And you're not leaving the building, as my friend Tom Hegna says, until your feet up on the stretcher leaving the building. Oh, you totally depressed me now. <laughs> if you get taken anywhere, it's probably to the doctor or to church, and someone else is probably driving you by now. That phase of retirement is when we need to make sure we have our estate plan all figured out. Now, we don't wait until these phases of retirement. What we're trying to do right now is to expose to seniors that there are several concerns in retirement. And just to list a few, you've got long-term care expenses, right? You've got market downturn if you've got money in the market. You've got outliving my retirement savings as as a concern. You've got inflation that might hurt my savings concern. You've got low interest rate impact on how long your money might last when you start drawing it out, right? Poor investment earnings, things like not being able to live comfortably or having a lack of emergency funds, concerns like declining standard of living or not leaving an inheritance or the inability to help my family. These concerns are things that we've developed a whole subset of questions to ask, you know, like how much of your retirement can you afford to lose? Where is it written in the law of finance that you got to lose a pile of money to get a good rate of return? If you've never paid tax on your IRA and a government keeps spending money like it does, do you think taxes are going to go up or down? Well, they're probably going to go up, they tell me. I say, well, do you think they might go up a wee bit? Or since we have no debt ceiling now and they were going $50 billion in debt every day, do you think they might go up a whole lot? Well, if they go up a whole lot and all your money's tax deferred and they say go to 50%, didn't you just lose half your nest egg? We show people how to de-risk some of this stuff. I want to sort of stop you right there because when a parent that we are going to be responsible for, or whether you be at phase one of the caregiving journey, which is where I say people are thinking about it, we think we're going to have to step in sooner. We know we're going to be POA at some point because we've agreed to do that based on our parents' 
documents and discussions with attorneys and our parents as well. But having these conversations with them so that our job in caring for them, as well as managing our own assets and finances, don't become a burden to us. So typically, as you get into that stage of life, or I've seen others get into that stage of life, there's a I don't want to call it laziness, but it's the only way I'm going to describe it. You, you just become a little less aware. My, my mom managed all my parents' financial affairs, except for you know the financial advisor, which my dad got involved in. But the two of them did that together. And she wasn't on top of things like she was in her 50s. And so I'm saying this because if, if you're listening as POA, you need to have this information, these discussions, not just for yourself, but also for your parents so that you can protect them going forward and they don't become a liability to you, correct? That's correct. That's correct. In fact, uh, you know, a lot of things that people don't realize is the type of assets they have. They don't have protection. You know, Medicaid spend down is horrible. And a lot of times when people need care, they don't realize that their assets are susceptible. And we have ways to show people how to protect those assets from that ever happening where no one can ever touch their money but them. They won't lose it in the market. We even have ways to make that tax-free, but they won't lose it for Medicare spend down. It's just really a great way when you're doing an estate plan. It's kind of like a budget. What's a budget? Just tell your money where to go so you don't have to worry where it went when it's gone. Well, some of this estate planning tools help you to protect that money so that when others come along wanting their hands in that bucket, they can't get at it. It's very important. So what you just said there is important because hopefully... Most of our, our audience here will never have to face Medicaid for that spend down on, on that particular point, not Medicare. We're dealing with the Medicaid where you have nothing really. I mean, well, a few dollars to your name, I'll slight exaggeration, but it's not too far off. And literally, you know, your, your house should be protected, but it's not always protected. And the worst scenario I've heard is when a couple is in a situation and the one spouse becomes ill and uses all the money for the other asset for the for the other spouse. So the, the other spouse is left destitute. Yes. And you have ways to help put the Chinese wall up there to protect the their surviving or the healthy spouse. That's correct. We have uh, ways to do what we call joint survivor, or we can actually do instances where let's say, you know, they've proven people live five and a half years longer when they have a check coming in the mailbox every month versus that person that's opening up a statement or getting in online and logging in and biting their nails, wondering how much money they they just lost because they heard something in the news. So we show people how to create these pensions. Pensions largely went away in 1980 when Ted Bennett sold the federal government on the 401k. But pensions are an amazing thing. It's a check that comes in your mailbox every month. Well, we have ways to not only set that up for you, but to set it as a joint survivor or where that that check is passed to the surviving spouse or maybe the money or the pension kicks in when the spouse passes away because guess what they're only going to get one of those two social security checks when one senior dies and people don't realize they don't think about that they're going to lose and they're only going to be able to keep the bigger of those two checks so they're going to lose some income and so it's nice to be able to know that you can have an insurance company stand behind your money and kick in a pension when that happens. Life insurance can work the same way. If you got one that's more healthy and one that's less healthy, we do a joint survivor mm-hmm. type policy where we're putting two people into the underwriting. It is less risk to the insurance company. 
So these are concerns that people have when it comes to protection and not outliving their income. So these programs that you're talking about, are they only insurance programs? Are there other ways and other tools that you can use as well to protect assets and produce income to help somebody? We have a lot of tools. We have a lot of alternative investments and in, in life settlement options and so many different things people can do. But these insurance companies, let me, let me explain to you what they do. So when you buy life insurance, and I'm holding my hand low right now, if you can imagine, you're betting I might die too soon. I might not live out my whole life. Most people buy it for that reason, for the death benefit. When you buy an annuity, you're betting you might live a long time. Now this hand is up high in the air, okay? So you're thinking, okay, I don't want to outlive my income. I want to have this pension there so that when I go to the mailbox, there's a check. Both of these insurance companies stand behind the money. They're good for the money. They enter a state reserve pool. If one of them ever were to falter, all the other insurance companies have to pay their debts. We use only A-rated carriers and only carriers that offer equal amounts of both. And let me explain. Had COVID killed us all and we all died too soon, we want a carrier that only half of their assets is in that bucket because now they're profitable in their annuities up here, up high, because they didn't have to pay out all the pensions. Now let's reverse it. They've said that if we can live eight more years, science is going to be so great with AI that we're all going to live forever. Well, I don't know how true that is. But let's just say science gets real good and we live a long time, Nancy. Now they're profitable in their life insurance because they collect all the premiums and they don't have to pay out the death benefits. So if you can find a carrier that sells both annuities and life insurance, an amazing thing happens. Because you have to ask yourself, how in the world can these companies afford to pay me a pension? What if I live to be 90, 95, 105? 120. And I receive four times the amount of money I gave them. Those are called mortality credits. Now, let me explain real quick what those are. Five little old ladies go to the beach. They all put 100 bucks in a jar, and Myrtle says to Phyllis, whoever lives the longest gets that money, and I'm going to live the longest. Well, the very first year on their anniversary, when they show up at the beach, only four of them are there. They got 125 bucks a piece, right, or 25% right. rate of return. This is how these companies are able to pay these pensions, because they got people that are living a long time and people that are dying too soon. And when you invest your money with a company that does both, it doesn't matter how this ship rocks or wanes. If people are dying sooner or living a long time, they're profitable in more than half of their portfolio. And the state reserve pool on their life insurance side will only allow them to loan out up to 90% of the cash in these policies. So in and the death benefits. So regardless of what happens in times of pandemic or longevity, these companies are safe. So no, insurance isn't all we do, but life insurance and annuities are a good framework to start. So give me some other creative solutions because you know my brain is already thinking on on this is if there's a balance on how this works, then Okay. Can I get locked out of a pool that I can't buy into because there's too much risk going on with the company already or not? Oh, no, no, no. We don't do adverse selection or nor do we pick carriers that have any derogatory. We we look at A and best ratings and all the ratings where they're A or A plus. They're, these carriers have been around 150 years, some of them almost 200 years. They don't make rash decisions. And it's, in fact, 35 to 40 percent of tier one capital with banks. And I know those of you listening can't see this, but I'm holding up to the camera showing that banks are buying billions and billions of dollars of tier one capital from insurance companies. 
insurance companies are the ones that that bailed out the banks during the depression so these companies are very very safe and so yes there are other products available let me give you an example um once in a while someone gets hurt in an accident and they get a life settlement which means they've got a pension coming for the rest of their life right but let's say this girl's 32 years old and she's getting sick and tired of that it's worth couple hundred thousand, she could sell it. Oftentimes, seniors can buy these life settlements at a discounted rate and receive six, seven, eight percent rate of return and a pension for the rest of their life. They got this money. They don't want to stick it in a CD and get two or three percent. They don't want to stick it in the market and lose it. Sometimes we can help them with these life settlements and they'll get a court order that will say, hey, MetLife will now turn this annuity. It's an annuity. Right. We'll give you the pension. And so um, once in a while, we show people that. And that, that's legal. That's interesting. So you bought the... You bought a uh, an injured person's pension, their settlement that they got from an insurance company. You can buy that. Wow. It's called a life settlement. Yeah, I just sold one yesterday for 66000 And that lady's going to receive like $1,580 for, I can't remember, 10 or 15 years. She's going to receive almost double the money she paid for it. Wow. Yeah, so she'll get over 6% rate of return. Yeah, these are very creative solutions that most people don't know about it. I would imagine there's still some risks to them or no. Um, Actually, no. It's with an insurance company. It's guaranteed and it's a court order. So you're, you're, you're subject to the claims paying ability of these companies, but that's why we pick the A-rated carriers because they've been around 150 years. These companies, often them, they'll pay dividends to their policy owners. They don't have stockholders. These are mutual companies, most of them. Right. And they, um, they don't have to pay those dividends, but they've never missed them a single year. That's how stable they are. And part of the reason is because they're not invested in the market. They're invested in lifespans, whether they're short right. or long, so that no matter what happens, like I told you earlier, they are stable. The key is really understand who you're doing business with. Somebody like yourself who really understands this and is not just necessarily representing one company, but understands what's happening across the whole platform and where the ups and the downs and the stability is along the way, because not everybody does that. They may only represent one one institution or two institutions versus understanding the need of the client versus the want of the seller. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you mentioned understanding and looking at the markets. You know, we follow several economic commentaries. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but the dollar bill is going away. The BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, uh, already have formed their own currency that's asset backed, like gold and other assets. And the dollar bill that after the Bretton Woods Agreement in 72 or whenever it was with Nixon, oh, the dollar is so powerful. We don't need to be gold backed anymore. They quit the silver and our money in 64. America quit minting gold coins in 33, but they can't print more gold and silver, but they're printing so much money. The world is losing faith in America. And so for now, the first time since the Bretton Woods Agreement, governments across the world can settle their oil deals without the U.S. dollar. What does that mean to a senior? What that means is if our cash goes away, we're going to be given a FedNow wallet. You already have one, whether you like it or not. You're going to be told someday soon to download that app and your money's now going to be expirable. And it's going to be seen by the government and they can decline a transaction. Let's say they don't like who you're supporting. They don't have to approve the transaction. So people are going to lose a lot of their privacy. So consequently, my company sold over a million dollars worth of silver and gold last month. We are wholesalers for five different outfits. And when we have people who have emergency money sitting by and they want to know what to do with it because they don't trust leaving all that cash in the bank. Right. We show them how that they can put 25 to 30 percent of their portfolio into precious metals, because regardless of what language people speak, 
It's the oldest form of money. They're not printing any more of it, and it's not subject to inflation. It is the best hedge against inflation. The same gold coin, Nancy, that would buy a Mustang horse, a Winchester rifle, and a set of boots in 1850 will still buy a Mustang, and now it has horsepower. <laughs> it'll still buy a rifle, and it'll still buy a dang good pair of boots. Because guess what? Gold does not lose the intr intrinsic value like the dollar does because they're printing so much money right now. During COVID, they printed in six months 27% more money than was in existence since the beginning of the dollar bill. It's oh, off the charts. That's scary. That's scary. It is scary. And so precious metals is important. And uh, I tell people a lot of times if they're trying to diversify their portfolio, that precious metals can be something as part of your hedge against inflation. It's part of a diversification that we all need to look at. Now, one of the things that we talked about before we got on the show and, and we've talked about before is Social Security. Yes. And I did a whole show on Social Security. But most people, if you don't know, you will know now that if you've got two parents or yourself and a spouse that you're taking care of, one dies, the, uh, the other remaining spouse has the ability to acquire, I'll call it, those social security payments from the other spouse. Now, if the check of the mom or the dad is lower, you want to retain whatever the higher social security payment is anyway. But you now have lost one additional check into that family with the presumption that taking care of one person is less than expensive than taking care of two. Not always the case. I found that in our own experience, that taking care of mom and dad together was just as expensive as it was in taking care of mom alone after dad died. You still got the power bill. You still got the mortgage. You still got the car payment. You still have an aide. You still have a doctor. You still have transportation. You still have food. So, okay. So you might be eating a hundred dollars less groceries and a couple hundred for supplies. But other than that, most of the bills It's stays. right. So it's a total fallacy to think that, well, if I'm only taking care of one or, well, that's not fair because you're taking care of two, it's going to be more expensive. That's baloney. I'll be polite. <laughs> one of the strategies around Social Security that we do is let's say you have somebody who hasn't taken their Social Security yet. They're about 62 and they can live on their RMDs or their income that they have. We show them a way, and there's a book called Get What's Yours by Lawrence Kotlikoff, K-O-T-L-I-K-O-F-F. -F. I recommend everybody read it. Everybody should read this book that has not taken Social Security because this is a way that you can actually go in. There's a way you can go into the office and apply for Social Security, even though you don't need it yet, okay? After they process everything, before you leave the office, now that your name's in the system, you say, wait. I have a change of heart and I want to defer. Now you're going to piss off the person that's helping you, but who cares? Because now what's happened is the federal government has to pay you, and I believe it's still 8% interest on the deferral over the top of what you would be getting in the normal clock. So let's say you wait until you're 72 or whatever to take it at the last minute. The typical person can add up to $300,000 to their payout. That is oh, so I'm going to stop you right there. So I'm a little confused. So I decide or, or mom and dad decide that they are going to apply for Social Security. They change their mind. They get 8% on top of that going forward per year, correct? This is an interest that's paid to the payout they'll receive once they do stop deferring and take it. But if I don't apply for Social Security and I wait, 
does the same thing apply? No, you'll, you'll get more than by waiting, but you won't get that extra 8%. So this is a loophole in the system that Lawrence Kotlikoff, oh. who is well qualified to talk about this, discusses in his book called Get What's Yours. It's a very, very good strategy, oftentimes that can be employed. Not everybody can use this strategy, but if people have a little bit of means and they don't need the social security check, this is strategy A. Strategy B is, uh, I ask people, are you aware that you can make your social security inheritable? And they're like, well, no. So I go back to my go-go, slow-go, no-go years and I show them how for the first 10 years of retirement, we can use the IRS page 30 of the 1040 instructions using the standard deduction for let's say married filing jointly, which is whatever it is, 27,600. And we use the calculation straight working with their CPA with how much that they can pull out of their IRA or contribute from their social security into cash value life insurance. What happens is that premium, we set it up for 10 years where it goes in. Now the policy's paid up. All the cash that you put in is now back into the policy on the typical adult. So it looks like you didn't make anything. But wait a minute. The beautiful thing is now when you go to spend that money, not only is it tax free, but it purchased an additional amount, usually more than the money you put in over and above is more than double in death benefit. So even when you're done spending all these benefits, you can leave a tax free check to your kids. And that is how we, quote unquote, make your Social Security inheritable. That is a cool strategy that people did not know existed. And if they don't need the social security they're receiving at the moment, it's a great way to put it away for the next decade to help in those slow go years when you might need more income when your asset balances are starting to wane. Oh, there is so much more here. <laughs> we could go on for for hours. This is these are the things that our software helps us to to design here at Safe Money Solutions for our clients. We put in all this stuff and it gives us a holistic approach, try, what strategies to try. And the cool thing is we can put in different scenarios to get outcomes without actually doing it if we did this. So we can see where that diminishing returns may come in or how much longer this can protect this client, this senior in retirement. And the last phase we need to talk about is the debt, if they have the debt and how we can help people pay a 30-year mortgage off in as little as five to seven years just by changing how they bank. Because trust me, Nancy, bankers do not care no, they don't. that your parent is 78. They will put them in a 30-year mortgage, well knowing they will not live long enough to pay that mortgage off. I think that's actually, that's criminal, quite frankly. It is criminal. And wouldn't the kids rather receive a paid off house than receive a debt that they have to settle at, you know, from their parents' estate. Yeah, but even, you know, let alone a, a, an older person shouldn't have, I mean, ideally shouldn't have to pay a mortgage and a debt towards that house when they need that money for other things. That's right. I don't care whether you're loaded up the yin-yang or what. It's still, there's a, there's a certain level of, I don't know, financial decency is probably not the right term, but well, any, any debt is debt and any interest you have to pay is money leaking out of your pocket. Right. Cause I have people say, Oh, I don't have any debt except for my mortgage. Well, that happens to probably be the biggest, the biggest debt that most, most of us take on anyway. Right. It's not your credit cards. It's your and house. We show people with a Monte Carlo simulation. If they had that cash flow back, the average senior gets over two grand back after our banking strategy wow. session. And Oh, by the way, we, the, the fee we charge for that program comes from the savings we create. 
and there is a $1,000 discount for seniors and single uh, single parents, single moms, dads, seniors. There's a ton of information here. I'm going to have to stop us now. And this is a conversation that will continue in, in other episodes. So those that are listening, don't worry. It's not over till it's over. <laughs> they say, right? And yes, every day counts and it counts even more when you know where that money is. And And I hate to obsess on money when it relates to taking care of mom and dad, but if we don't have that stress and strain of that added responsibility of financial responsibility, and we can shore things up for them and for ourselves, then caring will just be that much easier on our heads, our hearts, our wallets, and our everyday lives. Because we really do want to make sure that those times are, are times that we can we can enjoy as much as we can even under the stressful times but we don't want to see them leave this world where we continue on with regrets going forward i think that's that's the biggest burden that any caregiver could face so with that jason thank you so much for being here as a guest i know i will have you back and i appreciate everything that you do it's creative it's value-oriented and it's something that we all need to know about and hear about Absolutely. And we, we can also discuss when we come back the asset based long term care piece. We talked about how that you don't have to waste those premium dollars if you don't use the long term. Yes, I know care. about that. We are going to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, please remember that you can share your questions, your comments, your input, or just get updates on what we're doing by going to eldercaresuccess.live, L I V E, and backslash contact. Send me a note, send me a comment, send me a question. Or if you take the banner, there's a slide a slider on the side of the eldercaresuccess.live page. Just click on that and you can send me a voicemail with a comment, a question, or any input that you might have to share. That's it for another episode of Doing It Best with Elder Care Success. As I like to say here, please make every day count. Share this with your friends, your family members, or others that you know who are going through this stressful time of life because it doesn't have to be stressful every day. There are good days and there are some wonky days along. It's a gift that you can give to your friends and your family members because it's a gift from me to you as well. We'll see you soon, or as I like to say here, we'll hear you soon. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright, Caremanity, LLC. 